Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Funnel Vision Podcast, a focus on sales and marketing. I'm your co-host, John Butler. I'm joined by Jessica Schwentz. Hope you're having a great week. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday. Hey, everyone. So guys, we wanted to, to get right to it in the news. So something we're actually seeing that's kind of fascinating is, is continued emergence of the creator economy. So we've recently seen on LinkedIn that you can mark yourself as a creator. We're also seeing a lot of competitors to TikTok. We now have <laughs> Google's coming after TikTok where they have something called shorts, where they're going to start paying creators. Uh, TikTok is also now starting to pay creators, but it's kind of fascinating. Snapchat in November launched Spotlight. Instagram has Reels. These are all kind of just the short video formats to compete with TikTok because that's what people want. It kind of seems like social is going in that direction of creating a new functionality on the platforms just based on how people would like to consume content. And it seems like TikTok kind of found the best way to consume content, maybe, or at least right now. And a lot of these other social platforms are, are taking advantage of, and trying to create something similar. Twitter even has like a, a tipping feature now, which is interesting, where you can tip based on if you like their channel, like what they're posting. So I've always kind of heard it's better to push than to pull. It's better to push content out than to be the consumer of all this content, just because you have more leverage as an influencer all those types of things. Jess, I know just this is kind of an aside, but I recently watched Black Mirror. It's like a Netflix series. They're all one episode, but they all have kind of their own commentary on where we're headed as a human race. And it's kind of fascinating. I actually watched last night that there was an episode about where every interaction, you would rate it. So if we just ran into each other at a coffee shop, we would both rate each other and it was all up to, you know, one to five stars, but your status in society was based on how many stars you had. And it, it just got me thinking. I mean, it was just, it was obviously like an influencer world, but when I saw all of these different news articles this morning about being an influencer, it just made me wonder like, <laughs> man, we are headed in that direction, but it was crazy. It was like, you're, you're, travel was based on how many stars you had, even like how much money you spent, like discounts and things like that were based on if you were 4.2 or 4.5. And <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. It was really good. It was that I'll actress. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. There's a lot of interesting episodes, but um, that was the one I watched last night. Very timely for a podcast today. Sounds like just being a creator is, is definitely going to become more lucrative it looks like if you are a creator, you want to just kind of spread it out across these different platforms. It looks like all of these different social channels are giving you more opportunities. And why stop at TikTok? Let's definitely take advantage of these other places to share. Yeah. And obviously everyone, I think probably something that has encouraged all these changes, not that they weren't coming, but people have just spent so much more time on the internet in the last year with the pandemic that I think has kind of boosted growth. You know, these companies, these platforms just getting, you know, more creative in their offerings and ways to push out content. Cause I feel like I really didn't even go on TikTok until COVID hit. Yeah. It's a great point. That was the first time I downloaded it. And I think it was for like recipes during 
like just to be cooking at home more. So and for I think, the audience, like how old are you, Jess? Uh, 27. 27. Same for me. I'm 40. And so I could definitely imagine over this past year, TikTok has gotten a lot more users yeah. um, and a higher age demographic for sure. That's a great point. Definitely. And I think when it started, people just thought it was for the younger generation, but you hear a lot of marketers ranting about them making money from TikTok of the content and just gaining their following to other platforms and their websites, like driving traction. And something in the news as well that I found interesting that kind of leads off this is during the pandemic, I guess, baby boomers, obviously the older generation, they upped their online shopping by 53% from last year. So they're obviously spending a lot more time online. They've had to be maybe a little more careful than the younger generation as well. So one thing that I thought was kind of funny. So alcohol for their generation was up 4X. <laughs> Love it. And then adult diapers and meal replacements were up 50%. Kind of funny. Wow. But because of this, there's definitely an opportunity for corporations to spend more of their resources for ad spend to that target. So I guess only 3% of ads in the US target over 50 year olds, says the economist. So 50 plus, right? Yeah, over 50 year olds. So that's kind of leads into things that we've talked about in the past of everyone looks at Facebook as just a B2C advertising platform, but obviously over 50 year olds are also on Facebook and that's not quite the retirement age either. What was the average John CEO? Yeah, age? average age of a CEO launched, or I guess it was an article in January said the average age was 59. Got it. So, yeah, so yeah, that's good. So just definitely, I think that leads into just how there is opportunity for be to be on Facebook. And there's yep. kind of a bit of an arbitrage there. Yeah, I think all of the, the baby boomers going to Facebook and Instagram, maybe more Facebook, is why TikTok and all of these other, you know, social platforms, you know, that's, yeah. that's where their kids are going. That's where uh, their grandkids are going. And Facebook is definitely trending upwards uh, based on age. And it's, it's crazy to me that only 3% are yeah. ads targeted to 50 plus. That's crazy. Yeah, we do a lot of ads, targeted ads for our clients. This is huge opportunity, huge arbitrage of being able to get in front of the right people. A lot of people don't know, but you can search by titles on Facebook. If you want to target people, you can obviously do that on LinkedIn, but you can do that on Facebook and Instagram too. So definitely something to take advantage of. And then kind of moving into our marketing and growth segment. One thing that we do as an add-on for clients is thought leadership sharing. We basically will manage clients' LinkedIn accounts or other social channels as well, and then basically try to grow their networks or followings on those channels. So when you're doing that as a company, you really need to just keep in mind that it's great to increase that number and increase your network or amount of followers. However, you got to nurture them. For our clients, we do thought leadership sharing where across all channels, we'll basically do social media management for them to just kind of stay top of mind to their networks or to their followers. And then of course, with us doing lead generation, it just helps 
add credibility. It helps stay top of mind to those people that maybe you, you know, reached out to them two months ago and they didn't have a need at that point. But then when you share some, you know, relevant article or something that just, you know, triggers in their mind, like, oh, you know, maybe they could help me with this service or offering. So we ourselves use Hootsuite for our own social sharing, as well as our clients. We really love it. You know, you can have, you know, most marketers have used Hootsuite probably, but if you haven't, you're able to see, you know, previews before you've posted the articles. You can basically integrate, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, any platform right to that Hootsuite to manage it all in one spot. And when we're doing the social sharing, one key part of that is having curated content to share to your network. You don't want to only be posting about yourself or content that your company has created. You want to share the relevant articles in the news about your industry. I believe the ratio is about 60% curated and 40% of your own content that you really should try to aim for that you're not just solely talking about yourself or your company. So in order to curate content, uh, we have used BuzzSumo in the past. We've also used Feedly and these platforms, basically they're pretty inexpensive and there are free versions for both of them to try out. But basically you can put in domains of different resources that you definitely pull articles from or enjoy articles from where it will pull up other websites that are similar to what you searched to just help fill your pipeline of content to be sharing that your audience could find relevant. You can put different just topics in and it'll pull from across the internet, different articles that your audience could find really interesting that you could then get scheduled through Hootsuite or just post directly on, you know, your different social channels. I think the biggest thing, I think people would maybe not, realizes that you can be a thought leader by sharing other people's content. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's really about you as the individual being the filter of that content and and sharing what you think is relevant, what you think people would find interesting and not having to write all those articles yourself. And, and that, that goes a long way. I mean, I agree with Jess's ratios, but you could probably even go 70, 30, 80, 20 more curated third-party content compared to your own and still be okay. You do want to you know, let people know that you can help them and uh, you want to stay top of mind if, if they have a need. But there's a lot of people, they just post other people's content. A great way to become an influencer and, and really make sure that people know for whatever topic or topics that you probably are the right person to go to. Some great opportunity there. I, I definitely would agree. We actually saw for one of our clients, once they instituted, we call it social thought leadership management. We saw that after they instituted this this add-on, they actually 3X'd the number of leads that they already had coming in. And a great strategy there, guys, is let's say you do post something. Let's say someone likes it or comments. Those are the kind of people you can then reach out to to start a conversation. There might not be something there as as a lead, but you just don't know. You got to ask before you don't want to assume. It's just a great way to, to put something out there easily. Sometimes even having your own kind of comment or commentary about the article, like even if it's just a one-liner, that can go a long way is just to see who is engaging in your content and then trying to start a dialogue from there. 
One thing also to keep in mind is if you're sharing from, you know, a company page or vice versa, sharing from your personal page, definitely reshare it from the other mm-hmm. just to help drive more engagement. I think a good rule of thumb is if you post from the company page, just have several people from your organization reshare that post to their own networks. We've done that for clients in the past. And it's funny how once in a while, just an article will hit that someone, you know, really finds interesting. And we've had several clients go viral on posts. Definitely just keep in mind resharing as well. The posts just help drive more views and engagement to that post, which with LinkedIn's algorithm, you know, if you just hit it right, they'll keep sharing it out there and can have it go viral. One tip for LinkedIn is you want to make sure that you don't put the link in the original comment, just because they don't want you to have too many links. You, you typically can just say like link in the comment and then in the comment is where you can put the link in some way, at least right now, the LinkedIn algorithm frowns upon links within the uh within the comments. If you're sharing something, I would just end it with check out the link in the comments. All right, guys, for Outbound Corner, we wanted to talk about how LinkedIn is restricting the number of connection requests much more than we definitely started seeing it across more profiles that we manage. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's probably coming your way. 100 connection requests a week is what LinkedIn is kind of restricting people to. It used to be 1,000, 1,500 a day, 100 a week is, is what the, the new standard is going to be moving forward. So what does that mean? There's a lot of ways that you, know, you can really take advantage of the LinkedIn platform without having to send a connection request. Jess, I know as, as VP of, of TF Leads and managing so many different profiles, what are you seeing of the different strategies to to kind of take advantage of the LinkedIn platform? Yeah, I think just kind of moving from just solely relying on connection requests, which a lot of people do to using in-mail credits. I know that we've talked about in previous episodes, different ways to just get the best usage out of your in-mail credits. Um, If someone denies your message, you get an in-mail credit back. So even if you go through all of your in-mail credits, just keep in mind through the month, you might actually get a few more back. There's also people who are LinkedIn open network members where if you send a message to them, it doesn't require an in-mail. So definitely keep that in mind. That will allow you to message a lot more people and in-mails obviously give you a chance to actually send full message rather than just a little connection note. You can also use strategies we've used in the past, just viewing someone's profile in hopes that they'll view you back, see what you do and then reach out to you if there is a need. And that's definitely more of a warmer outreach. Like, hey, I saw you viewed my profile back. Keep in mind, you definitely want to. And maybe this is something we can talk about next week in an episode, but you definitely want to make sure your profile, if you're doing the view strategy, is looking good and has some key things in it just to highlight yourself in the best light. Yeah, definitely. I would say that in-mail is basically a a message to someone that you're not already connected to. It gives you a lot of opportunity to, to get in front of the right people. Jess, what are you seeing as how many emails you can use per month? I believe for just the sales navigator professional, it's 20 a month. 
but they do, and LinkedIn, I think kind of changes this pretty often, but they do allow, if you don't use all of them, I think some of them to roll over. But if you have like sales navigator enterprise, you definitely get more than 20. I think it's 50. So it just depends what uh, subscription you have. Yeah. Nice. That's great. And don't forget guys, we talked about this on the last episode, but in mails, you want to have between 200 and 400 characters, Mm -hmm. a 16% higher rate of response based on those characters. 90% of people have in mail messages that are over 400 characters and that is too long. More is not better. You want to keep it short and sweet and definitely respect the brevity, uh, when you're reaching out to these different executives or different decision makers. Definitely. And one other tool for outbound that I thought could be just helpful to share is phantom buster. They have several different phantoms quite a bit for each different channel. So it's really interesting. If you go in just phantombuster.com, you can see all these different phantoms that will just help you gather data from LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Google, Craigslist. (laughs) It's really interesting how creative you can get with stuff. But for us, we use it a lot for the LinkedIn profile extractions. Sometimes some of our clients will say, hey, I just went to this conference and this is a list of all the people that I met that has their name and company name, but they don't have LinkedIn profiles. And obviously that can take a lot of time individually searching each person. If you basically import the file of names and company of who you want to reach out to, it'll actually find the profiles for those people. So that's something that we've really utilized with Phantom Buster. There's also different things that you can scrape, like people who are in a Facebook group and then find LinkedIn profiles for those people. There's ways for LinkedIn events that basically you can scrape a past or current event on LinkedIn and find basically all the those attendees that LinkedIn in the past has allowed you to export, but they've also taken that away. If you're hosting an event and you want to reach out to all those attendees, that's definitely a tool that you could use to get information on those people. And then also just to go off of the different kind of restrictions that LinkedIn has implemented with connection requests, you want to be careful that your connection requests that have been sent out are not very high. We try to keep ours under 500 sent connection requests. I remember like maybe a year and a half ago, we would try to have it under 2000. So it just shows how LinkedIn has changed things and kind of limited outreach. Jess, you're saying that's kind of overall, like with everything that's out there, you want to have about 500-ish requests pending. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And if you have more than that, LinkedIn also made the change that you can't bulk withdrawal. So now you have to individually withdraw every single connection request that you've sent. They used to let you do it by the hundreds. Phantom Buster has a phantom that can actually withdraw them automatically for you to get you down to whatever number that you want. So check it out. They give you, I think, 10 minutes free a day to run, which is pretty cool. You could definitely try it out and knock out withdrawing some connection requests for that free 10 minute window. That's great. Yeah. And obviously Phantom Buster can do a lot of other things, just trying to streamline what you're doing for work and 
even on the personal side. Yeah, check it out. Uh, we obviously have no affiliation with those guys, but another software that, that can really help automate things and, and make things easier for you. Hope it can help you guys as well. Thanks so much for joining today, guys. Hope you have a great week. If there are any other things that you guys are seeing that is helping you on whether it's LinkedIn with some of their different restrictions or honestly, any social platform, we'd love to try it on ourselves first and then share it with this community. So we always love your feedback. Always know, feel free to to keep that feedback coming. We love it and appreciate it. Great to, to talk to you guys today. We really enjoy this time together. So again, have a great week and we will see you guys next week. Bye everyone. Thank you.